Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the online magazine, and deeper into the stories. I'm your host, Michael Shields, and for the first time in the history of this podcast, you might have noticed the uh, new auditory intro, and that means we are in the midst of a very special episode, uh, one where we travel to King's Landing, to the Iron Islands, to Winterfell, to the Riverlands, to Dorne, and even far beyond the Wall. Uh, yes, this episode is is dedicated entirely to Game of Thrones, which returned this week for its seventh season, and we at Across the Margin could be more excited to be featuring our weekly articles again and just discussing in general. Um, we're obviously huge fans, and and to converse upon all things Thrones, I I do need help, and I couldn't have more able Game of Thrones minds to aid me in this discussion as with me for the podcast, I will uh, have Jeffrey Golia and Chrissy Trujillo with me. Jeffrey, many of you might know, he's our, he's our own uh, resident Game of Thrones guru. Um, he, uh, he hosts, I believe he still does this, he hosts a trivia night here in Brooklyn um, dedicated to Game of Thrones and just his breadth, breadth of knowledge uh, uh, it, it's just remarkable. It's, it's jaw dropping. It's whether it's he's talking about the books or just his insight into the television show. It's amazing. I also I love his articles that we do feature every week. Um, they uh, they're funny too. He's got he's got such a unique sense of humor that that fits in. Um, it just it makes it a joy to read. So he will be with me, and like I said, Chrissy will be with me. She's an author uh, and a huge Thrones buff. Um, She's, she's wrote articles for us on, on a bunch of different things, whether film, television, um, one about the struggles of the um, LGBTQT community. Did I nail that? I think so. Um, and, uh, and, and, of course, she's wrote articles about Game of Thrones. So, so I have both of them with me, which is, which is great. We're gonna, we have a nice uh, discussion. We, we touch a button. You know, we don't just talk about... Um, we do obviously talk about the first episode, you know, which kind of set up the season. But you know, we, we we try to pull the lens back a bit and have a more broad scope about m- what might be coming, or you know, just all we have to look forward to. So, oh, also at the end of uh, end of our discussion, um, I do talk to Jeffrey about uh, his his day job where he works uh, for a, a not for profit. Um, called Getting Out, Staying Out, which I, I couldn't support and believe in more. Um, it works um, with kids coming out of uh, Rikers Island, and, and, and you know, reac- it's reacclimating them to uh, become productive uh, members of society. So it was really important that I, I found a moment to ask him about that as well. We, I mean, we could have dedicated a whole podcast to that, but... Um, so here we go. Let's uh, let's let's get nerdy. Here's here's our here's our discussion about Game of Thrones. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you both for being here. I really really appreciate you uh, joining us. And uh, like I said in my intro, I can't do this without you guys. And so let's uh, let's let's get into it. Um, I guess the best place to start is with uh, last night's episode and. Um, you know, being the name of the episode, being Dragonstone. Uh, let's start there with with, with how the episode ended. Uh, what did you guys have any thoughts about how 
you know, Danny's return to um, Westeros. Yeah, let's talk about that because I'm um, excited about it, and yeah. at the same time, I'm also like a little baffled. Um, uh, to be clear, Dragonstone has a lot of significance to the Targaryens. Mm-hmm. About, uh, I would say, 12 years before the Doom of Valeria, uh, where the Valerian civilizations, where the Targaryens come from, mm-hmm. um, gets destroyed. Um, Einor Targaryen um, moves his whole family to Dragonstone, yeah. which is, at that point is the western outpost of Valeria, not really considered part of Westeros proper. Because it's, it's, it is at the southern part of, of Westeros. It's sort of, the, yeah. It's, it's is there something the that d- divides it that, that makes it, because you say it doesn't, isn't considered a proper... Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's an island. Okay. And the gotcha. islands around what's called the Crownlands, which is where King's Landing will will be after Aegon's, uh, after okay. Aegon's uh, invasion. Sure. Um, so it's an island sort of set apart, and uh, throughout the centuries, um, it is sort of built with dragon fire and sorcery and all this stuff. So it has a deep historical significance to, to Valerians, mm-hmm. um, and specifically to House Targaryen. It's, of course, where Aegon and his sister-wives launch their invasion of Westeros. Mm, which is so fitting. It's very... Thinking, thinking forward, yes. It's very important, and it is very uh, symbolic. But then the other thing, and, and I'll touch upon this in, in, in also in the, in the column I wrote this week, um, it's also just strategically helpful. Yeah. Dragonstone is crazy close to Westeros. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of shocking that, like, so Stannis held it for so long, even in abstention. Yeah. Um... And so it's really close to Westeros, so if you want to launch an invasion, particularly with dragons, yeah. it's a very easy place to sure. start that. So strategic and historical, it's deeply meaningful. As, as well, yeah. Uh, but I think you had a problem, and, and, and I, it was fascinating. I've already read your piece we're going to release tomorrow about, I mean, and I was a little off-put, a little confused. It was just, uh, you know, each door they were going, it was vacant. It was entirely vacant, which it was, uh, you know, I guess, I guess, um, you know, theatrically, it, it felt like it had a build up to the point where she's like, let's get to work. But I was also like, what's going on here? What is this place? Yeah. And I want to sort of like also have Christy come in with her, uh, with her I think, brilliant <laughs> architectural criticism um, of some aspects of the Dragonstone. Um, yeah. But I'll just say too that, yeah, um, Dragonstone has a, has, has small folk, has a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it when was, you say small folk, you're just saying a community. Just people. Yeah. People, people, people yes. living there. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, the concept, the, the concept that, that um, there would be like no one there. Yeah. Um, or in fact, I mean that this beautiful, crazy looking awesome castle is sort of not being squatted upon. I mean, yeah. we live in New York City, so you I'm, know, like, I want in there. Yeah, I was like, what? yeah, we squat if it's open, we'll squat in it. So, <laughs> I do the walk up, yeah, yes, absolutely, yeah. across the Great Wall, <laughs> the Great Wall of China. China. <laughs> yes, um, but then we also find out in this episode, and it's something that Sam discovered through his research at the Citadel that, um, there's dragon glass to be mined under there. See, so he mentioned Stannis, uh, no, don't that, Sta- he, that Stannis uh, mentioned it to him. Did we see that? Was that in an episode? Are we all blanking? I, I just wouldn't well, happen. I had the same thing as you. I was like, I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that. Because I feel like that would have been something of significance. Yeah, if Stannis that is telling Sam mind, that there's dragon like, glass. Oh, that's going to come. I don't yeah. remember. Do you got I anything? remember him finding it. Like, Sam himself finding Absolutely, it. Absolutely, of course. When the Fist of the First Men, he finds the cache of Dragonstone, of Dragonglass, yes. rather. Dragon yes. Yeah. And, um, and then, of course, yeah, there's this notion that Stannis knew about it. I'm... I'm blanking on whether it's mentioned in the books, Absolutely. but it was something that probably, if it was, was very much in passing. But it, yeah. but and and That's I think what it we'll felt discuss. like. 
well, it'll, it'll. I think it'll take on a significance when it comes to the to the to the deliberations between Danny and. Well, John. I think isn't right. that the big point here with with? Because I mean, obviously, he's going to tell Sam's going to tell John, yeah. and then John's going to know that she's down there. Is this how they meet? It wasn't there photos of them, and I know some might not be real or what they do there, but photos of them. Know yeah. about that? But I yeah. do. Know, there was a point in the like looking forward yep. where someone I can't. I'm blanking on who it is now. Walks in and he's. Like we're not following a Targaryen. Yeah, they, well, they said you can't trust the Targaryen. Yeah. That's right in the beginning. And, yeah, and you know, I don't know. Lord if Glover. It was just cut. Was it? I'm pretty I, sure it was yeah. Lord Glover. Yeah, and right. I don't know how it was. You know, a lot of this is about how it's cut. For sure, the, like, of course. You know, coming up so that you suspect it's one thing, and it very easily could be someone else is walking into a room to give John a message, but they're setting up that anticipation. Yeah. But you know that it's all leading to the point at which he's going to go meet his cousin, niece, his cousin, cousin. Aunt. 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 Yeah, I was going to say, yes. <laughs> I've lost track now of who's like, I forget. I forget yeah, sometimes. Totally. I'm like, wait, Rhaegar? And how is that related to, because, you know, her father was heiress. And yeah. so, you, right. you know, and so that's the whole, that's the whole situation. And, and I will say, I mean, I do think that it probably is a kind of a, an interesting way to link up. But I mean, Bran coming uh, to ideally to Winterfell, which is what I think is going to happen, is going to give John the straight dope about his ancestry, yeah, yeah. and in that sense, I mean, this one he could codify a lot, or rather consolidate a lot of the Stark um, uh, sort of uh, internal cohesion, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I think he could set up that conversation with Danny. But the Dragon Glass, the Obsidian, is very interesting because. This very much is, I think, even for seasoned book readers, I think a bit of a surprise. Like, oh, look at this really interesting geographical, ge- geological map of Dragonstone, <laughs> and look, there happens to be obsidian here. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's oh, just yeah. like this big black round circle <laughs> around it, and you're like, yeah, look at all of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the timing of finding it, too, uh, at this point when, when, you know, winter is here and they're making their move south, it's... Agreed. I'm yeah. also very concerned for Sam's well-being. <laughs> I'm always concerned for Sam's well-being. I mean, he's well, as yeah, lovable as, as it gets on that show. You know what it's it adorable. is? It's adorable. It's flat-out adorable. He stole some books, and then he's like, oh, I found I, look, I found this. I have to tell John. I'm like, he's going to die before yeah. that gets to him. Like, that's it. That's, like, the end of everyone, I always feel. So I'm now very concerned. I hope I'm wrong. But it's interesting, though, because I feel like Sam, from, like, a character perspective, he's sort of, like... Give zero fucks now. Yeah. He stole the ancestral sword of his house, yes. a Valerian yeah. steel sword, <laughs> which granted he needs because right. we need them because yeah. they can also kill the White Walkers. But yeah. and then he steals all these books from the Citadel. Yeah. I think He's it's like, just like yeah, yeah. He didn't blink an eye once he 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 tried to bargain for you know access, and then wow, I've never thought about that. Sam gives zero fucks in the I, books. John, I'm sorry, in the books, John orders him not to be scared anymore. Oh really? He orders him. So, I mean, to, I mean if Jon Snow Sorry. ordered me to do anything, I'd be like, yes. absolutely. All right, Broody McBroodster, I got this. <laughs> He's a pretty young He's man. So well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's just launched right from that. We, we, we have Jon up there. Um, it's, I'm trying to lead things to Lady Marmont. That's best oh as I can. Oh, my God, Lady Marmont is <laughs> uh, my queen. She's, the, is, she's amazing. But um, there seems to be uh, a little beef, if you will, between... Um, her and, and your girl, Chrissy. <laughs> uh, wait, Sansa? Yes, yeah. Oh, my bae. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Um, it, I loved that scene 
because seeing Sansa just speak up was great. Yeah. Um, as we all know, I have been a staunch Sansa supporter Absolutely. from day one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> team, I think team, I think we're team Sansa all around here. Yeah. I'm just, glad just, because it's I, watching her just grow into her season, own has been fantastic. Sorry. No, no, no. Up until last season, we were definitely in the minority. Yeah. But I think what's important about her is you have to think that when this all started, she was a teenager. Yep. And people were like, she was the worst. And I'm like, what teenager isn't the worst? Yeah, absolutely. First of all. Yeah. And she's very much taken from... And we, and I don't think you noticed it up until the end of last season, how much she was actually paying attention to her yeah. surroundings and how much she was actually learning from Cersei. And it does with something that, that I was like, I, when she mentioned that last night, I'm like, I hadn't think about that because yeah. I just figured she was, you know, kind of just dealing with it instead of taking notice. Right, and but y- she has and it, I think the most telling was Littlefinger comes to her and he's whatever talking being I to, he's such a sleazeball and he reminds me so much of um what's his name from Lolita and I'm like he's just Humbert. upset Humber Humber mm. and he's like and he's just predatorial and he has this like fascination from his teenage years that has now you know, launched onto the daughter of the character. The and Lolita just, comparison's perfect. It's it, really it good. It really it's is. Fun. I'm like, oh, your de- your love died, and now you've just not never gotten over it. So now it's just her daughter. Okay, weirdo. Yeah. Um, but she literally stopped him from having the last word, which she always gets, and she's like, you don't have to. We know that was a great. That was witty. a great line. And, <laughs> she and gave him walked, the- right, and he walked away, and then Brienne comes in, and yeah. she's like, oh, he wants something, and she's like, yeah, I know yeah. what he wants, and it was such a like adult moment for her, yeah. and I was like, yes, she's all grown up. She has. She's all grown up. But I mean, I'm curious <laughs> yeah. what you guys see, where they see that going between them two. I mean, I think you mentioned in your piece, and I just was able to uh, read over the second half before we started doing this. Um, I don't think you're, you're that concerned about that. I'm not that concerned about that. Honestly, so hashtag well in the books, which is going to be the <laughs> refrain no, please, that no, we, we have here. Um, well, first, I mean, um, uh, Sansa also learns a lot from Littlefinger. Yeah. And what you see in the book when she's, sure. when she's Elaine Stone, oh. his, uh, his bastard daughter, yeah. um, and she's in the Vale, she really learns about intrigue in a really, really powerful way, which I think kind of gives her... It's very Machiavellian and, and, and important. So, so that, that's a strong piece. Um, also, just an aside... Here in the books, it's Brian. Oh, is it? Yes. Is it? Yes. Isn't that? Did I just blow your mind? It's yeah. Yeah. We can yeah. stop. We're done. It's so weird because there are always things that you've read and you just. Do you ever have that where you just read over the word and you're like, I'm not gonna pretend I know what that how to say that and you just. But that one I would have never questioned. Yeah. Yeah. I just assumed. There's a Targaryen king. Um, a E N Y S that I believe people say is anus. Anus. Anyhow, that's anus. Why am I? Why am I not concerned? I don't want to give away all of the column because you know I have, do have my secrets. But mm-hmm. I will say this: is that um, every time John and Sansa disagree in public, it seems very clear that Littlefinger is looking at her yeah. like, "Hey, see, why don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you you have no room here. Like, come with me and let's do stuff." And <laughs> and you know, the idea of making her feel as though she's um, either incompetent or or just being passed over, um, given the uh, what I feel is the legitimacy of her claim as the Lady of Winterfell. Yeah. But but beyond that, I, I feel very strongly, and I asked this before, that Bran coming down, I think, is going to consolidate a lot of stark solidarity. Mm-hmm. I think that John 
frankly, has bigger fish to fry. He's got a larger role as either, I don't know, like Danny's consort or Mm -hmm. as some kind of um, sort of messianic figure. And and I think that's going to leave room for Sansa to kind of be as, I don't know, the Lady of Winterfell, the Queen of the North, the the Warden of the North, however they're going to frame it. Because the political words that we use... Um, may be defunct by the time the, the this this battle happens, yeah. this battle between the dead and the, and the living. So I'm not super concerned about it, but I think it's going to be Littlefinger's constant uh, sort of refrain um, is that he's going to just give these looks to Sansa yeah. every time she feels. He, right. Uh, However, he likes it's the interesting because if you see it afterwards, you had that, and, and I definitely had that moment. I was like, oh, Sansa, don't play into it. But then you have him and her meeting right after and she's like you know you're brilliant like you're made for this yeah and she she's which is also strategic strategic right uh, building someone up though that yeah that's some ways. true yeah. um it was just it was just an interesting turn because i thought it, it seems that she's more aware of what little fingers up to yeah. than he realizes she is because i think he still sees her as that kid he still thinks that he, he can, can play manipulate her. her and he doesn't realize how much that she's sort of playing him back. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, I mean, she did defy uh, John in that scene, and she, yeah. she, you know, that that definitely does, because anyone who's sitting there that wasn't a loyal family is going, well, I mean, should I be following this guy? Because, yeah. like, I could have gotten some great property, what the hell? I was trying to figure out the entire, I'm like, who, who's wrong here? Like, in some ways, they were both right mm-hmm. in, in, in that disagreement they were having, because, I mean, he was trying to show loyalty. She was, I don't know, they were both Right, yeah. a lot of ways. So, um, speaking of badasses, because we're talking about Sansa, it's just, we have to talk about Arya, and we have to do it now. Arya. <laughs> oh, I, you're like, my Arya, first right. tweet of that whole night. Were, were you was, doing some live tweet? It, yeah. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. It says Arya is about to kill everyone up in this place. Let's do this. Hashtag game <laughs> Did you? Wait, <laughs> that. that, was, that wait, what point was that? Did you that know was that was literally? He, he's up it, there. Walter Frey's up yeah, there. Yeah, he's up there, and he he like he has everyone go pour the wine. I'm like, ha, they all go yeah. die. Yeah. I don't know if I I was thinking should I call it like the Fred wedding? Yes, the, the, the Red Fredding. Like <laughs> it needs a name. We, yeah. I mean, we can do it right here. I mean, the I, Red Fredding. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Red Fredding was kind of good um, with a Y, just to make sure everyone knows everyone, yes. that it's about the phrase. Yeah. Um, I I had a similar. At first, you're like, oh, this is a flashback, but then you're like, oh no, this is this is going to end poorly. That was a, that was that was the line of thinking though. That yeah, was the first thing. Well, was flashback. I probably cheated because HBO had the last episode of season six right before so I had just watched her kill him so uh, it was fresh so in my mind yeah, so right, she comes mind, up and like right she there. took his ah, face yeah. <laughs> here we go I loved that she stopped the wife from drinking oh and yeah it was like not in, you in the line and, she and she used stayed too. in character yeah. Yeah. she stayed in character yeah. she, she, she got this and and when she was like Tell them winter has come. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the just the whole thing about how she was describing, describing what they did in such a way where they were like, oh, fuck, what's going on here? You know, you killed a... Well, let me sort of put this in some perspective. Please. Right? So that's we've been... That's, that's why you're here. God, how long was the Red Wedding in book time? I mean, this was maybe 10 years ago yeah. or more, more than 10 years ago. So I'm just thinking about how long book readers have been waiting for this level of revenge. Um... 
And it's interesting, right, because I've met book readers who are very into politics and they think that the phrase did nothing wrong. And in fact, that the phrase were just acting strategically um, towards not only their sort of goals, right, of, of running of, of running the Riverlands. And of course, as book readers who have some, who still have some, like, heart and, you know, <laughs> love for, like, the fantasy stories, yeah. we know that that just can't happen, right? And uh, they betrayed all the rules of hospitality, mm-hmm. um, ancient rules of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, so to watch not just Walder Frey die, but then for him to, again, um, the shape-shifting ninja of Arya, yeah. um, bringing, um, and poison's very much her thing. Um, um, it's, it's become a thing for her and for the faceless men generally. Mm-hmm. Um, was truly satisfying. And, and I don't know if we want to go here, but it, I think it's, it, it, they're bad portents for, um, for a few people. So she says, in this, in this really, well, one, Ed Sheeran, can we just... Oh, my God. I mean... He, I, you know what, it, it's funny, because you don't see his face until she gets to him, but I heard it singing, and was like, no. Yeah. What? Did you guys know no. beforehand? I had no idea. I was told he was going to be in it, because I have this, like, I, I always, like, have this nightmare of uh, waking up in the middle of the night and having just, like, shirtless Ed Sheeran <laughs> saying, I'm in love with your body, like, over and over again, <laughs> which is deeply disturbing for everyone. So I thought he was going to say that to her, but, you know, she makes this joke to the Lannister soldiers. She goes, I'm going to kill the queen, right? And they all laugh, right? Yeah. But, in fact, think about it. She, um... Faceless man's into Walder Frey and then poisons people with wine. Yeah. I'm gonna let who, our who drinks wine. I'm gonna let our dear listeners think about who that and consider wine? how that might play out in the future. I was, um, yes. I was thinking about Barbara Gold, about her uh, her her death list, and I don't know. You know, it sounds like she's going straight for you know the top of it with Cersei. But I mean, we have the mountain still there. Melisandre is on it, I believe. Is Beric uh, Dondrarian on that list? I think I believe he in, is. I believe him and Thoros are. She added them, I think, in season three. In, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm trying to remember now because this goes back to Clash of Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that that was more pro- prevalent in the show. Yeah, she has real season beef three. With yeah. Yeah. She has real up. beef with Beric and with Thoros yep. because, in fact, they uh, well they screw up a lot of a, a lot of stuff uh, yeah. for her. So, <laughs> so that that makes sense. Um, well, think about already who's died. And then think about who's necromanced back into existence. Yeah. Ahem, Gregor Clegane. Uh, and then we have, uh, uh, and then Melisandre, who, by the way, is going south. She's going oh, south. Yeah. She's going south. I thought I'm about that. I wanted to ask you, uh, Jeffrey, about um, Sir Illin Payne. Because mm-hmm. I heard he's he's uh, you know he's he's who took off Ned's head. He's the executioner. I think he's pretty much silent or or. Yeah. Um, He's bigger in the books, right? Because he's on the list. So, Ellen Payne um, um, kills Ned Stark uh, yeah. when Joffrey defies, you know, everyone and basically just look off of his head, yeah. right? And we all remember that very, very, um, well, we remember it in all different ways, sometimes yeah. fondly because stupid Ned Stark. Um, yeah, yeah. You know? But, um, so here's what's interesting about the books. And, and Feast for Crows is one of my favorite books, um, maybe ever. Perhaps my favorite book in the series so far because... Talks about the Jamie Lannister redemption arc, which mm-hmm. I think is powerful. I'm a huge fan. I mean, as uh, in the show, but yeah, go on. No, I mean, and in the books too. What Same you thing. see is someone who's developing. Well, okay, so let's. Uh, I'm gonna get social worky on you for a second, please. Right? So, um, 
and a little Freudian, right? So he loses his sword hand, which very much is a castration of sorts, um, because in fact that his that his is very uh, uh, meaning. I mean, besides yeah. having sex with his sister, that's like the other thing that he's really good at. <laughs> and so he loses his sword hand. <laughs> this and, is the sort of yeah. humor you'll get if you tune in weekly to the uh, the. The uh, deconstructions that across the margin. Go That's on. right. The deconstructions. <laughs> so, so Jamie has this has this sort of mission to um, liberate the Riverlands from all of these pesky rebels that are um, that are affecting the Frey Lannister alliance. Um, all right. All right cool. Hey, sorry about that technical difficulty. We're back. We we're, are. We're, back. we're back. So um, we're, we are with Jamie Lannister yes. and his redemption arc mm-hmm. uh, in the Riverlands, trying to support this Frey Lannister alliance and. What's really interesting is you see Jamie starting to develop a bit of a moral character. He's he's really seeking to understand his place in the world and and think about it. Jamie Lannister saved the world when he killed yes, uh, the absolutely. Mad King. And which is something also to think about because what did the Mad King want to do? He wanted to blow up King's Landing with wildfire. Yeah. I'll leave that there. <laughs> so Jamie has these incredible fantasies, you know, he has this golden hand and he feels the warm sun on his back and he's going to like, you know, hang some rebels and like mm-hmm. do some justice and he thinks, I'm golden hand the just. Mm. So so Jamie um, really starts kind of and, and, and he does a lot of very satisfying things. He hates the phrase. So he humiliates the phrase in the encampment at River Run. He ends the siege. He's feeling really, really good about himself and is seeing kind of a future for himself that's more than just an arrogant uh, uh, douche. Yeah. So so in a lot of ways, I, f- I feel for Jamie. I, I, I really like his arc. And so in Feast for Crows, we're talking about this. But here's Ilan Payne. I, I remember that's where yeah, we are going nice. with this. Wow. So, you are good. So you Jamie, are good. So, Jamie, so, so, so Ilan Payne and Braun, let's think about them in a similar vein. Because when Jamie's looking to regain his sword fighting with his left hand, yeah. in the show it's Braun. But in fact, he brings oh. Ilan Payne with him. Yeah. To on this on the siege river, and what they do is they wake up in the middle of the night because yeah. he doesn't want anyone to think that yeah, he's he bad. That he, yeah, they need uh, help. He needs help. Yeah, and him and Ellen Payne um, um, spar and and, uh, and and sword fight and practice, and he's terrible. But Ellen Payne, it's funny because he his tongue has been cut out, and so he can't speak. He can't yeah, do anything that Jamie right. likes because he can't tell anyone. <laughs> But when he beats up Jamie, he always like laughs, but his laugh is just this click. So, so we're in the Riverlands, which you know I know right now. I mean, I mean right now that's where Arya mm-hmm. is is headed. Yes, and that's going to be. And I don't think that I don't. Yeah, well, I don't see Ellen Payne there, but in fact, I mean, in the books, but yeah, I mean, I think my only thing with Arya and that list and mm-hmm. sort of what like the work she's done on it is, I think we forget sometimes how young she is. Yeah. And how ruthless she's become, and I mean, she was always obviously she wanted she wanted to be she wanted the sword right away. She wanted the sword. She wanted that. But I don't think we would have thought like think back to season one practicing with her little sword, um, and she's dancing Mm -hmm. about a room to where she is now. I mean, she's really become ruthless. It, It would be interesting to see her reunited with her family because I think she's gone so long without them and been so far removed she's almost lost a bit of her own humanity Mm -hmm. because she's had to become this ruthless killer who has no connection and things like that it would be interesting to see I think we forget sometimes because you just think of her as like oh she's such a badass which totally respect I get it but But yeah we've gradually built up to this and now that's where we are and it's it's we're not really looking back to where she was I, I mean I think you even mentioned how 
you know, it's how unique it could be once she does meet up with her siblings because she is just like you said, she's a different she's person. She's almost like a rabid animal at yeah. this point. <laughs> well, what's that going to look like? And in fact, you know, we talked about castration complex with Jamie Lannister. <laughs> but the other issue that we're, that we're talking about, and this is sort of a modern take on it, right? It has to do with trauma, right? So trauma mm-hmm. is something that we talk about a lot in mental health and yeah. it's very well understood. And we talk a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder, but... Yeah. A new emerging construct is what's called post-traumatic growth, and it's the notion that people can experience trauma and through a number of factors, including the assistance they get, are able to um, improve in yeah. ways that they never would without other challenges that whatever they went through made them stronger. So look at Jamie and Arya as two separate people with different life experiences. Both have some pretty central traumas. Obviously, Arya is a little bit more... Um, I would say intensive than, than mm. Jamie's, although, I mean, his he literal lost. world came down when he lost his hand. Yeah. So, um, and in fact, and both of them, dead. what was that? And all his kids stuff. Yeah, I was just going to say, kids. but his children. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Also, he's lost all his family. Yeah. We're chinning that. We'll get, we should get to that. Yes, but he was kind of ambivalent about that, wasn't he? I mean, he, he ends up loving his kids. like last but, night, too. Yeah, yeah but, but so, so, all, so, so the, the, the mere idea, right, is that these are two people who have sought to try to deal with their traumas in different ways, mm. both by trying to become more adaptive in some ways. My interest, and I think we, we sort of got to this, was um, what is it going to be like when Arya um, returns to the pack, so to speak? And mm-hmm. what is it that's going to get her out of this, um, I don't want to call it a sociopathic mode because sociopathy is something different, but this sort of like traumatized killing machine. How is she going to sort of come back to a place humanity. of normalcy? <laughs> yeah. How humanity. is she going to regain her humanity? Yeah. It's, it's something that I've been thinking about and it really hit me last night when she sort of had that whole moment and she jokes about killing at this point, right? She's like, I'm yeah. just going to go kill the queen. Granted, she's not lying. Yeah, but, that was twisted. But it, it yes. was and she laughs Absolutely. about it because it she's twisted. like, ha ha ha, yeah. all of you think I'm joking. I'm Definitely. for real. I'm about to kill your queen. Like y'all cute. Yeah. <laughs> but they also didn't seem to really care. And not just that they thought it was a ridiculous notion, but... I just didn't. They were over the war. Like, they're over everything. Well, like, I just want to see my Martin kid. is over. Martin is over war. In fact, you can read these books very much uh, as anti-war tomes. Yeah, right? yeah, that yeah. These are stories that Absolutely. are fundamentally critical of rich people sending poor people, poor people to, to die. To their death. For exactly. reasons that seem ultimately silly. And in fact, I think it's a larger critical That they're more lens. personal than they are about. It's, it's about even ego. Even the Starks, man. Often. Even the Starks. We oh, were like, oh, yeah, King in the North, Rob Stark, oh, right. invade, do all that stuff. Think about like all the small folk who are just like completely destroyed. And and, and, and listen, Martin, I think, and, and the show does a good job of giving those people a level of voice. But yeah. we're still caught up sometimes in the war cries. And I think that it's really interesting. Um, I also thought that scene with the Lannister soldiers, like I was waiting for it to go south. Absolutely. Like I, right? I thought there was high I thought they were. I was surprised they were like. It's a little girl on a horse. Yeah. What is she doing? Like, something was going to go bad, and then she was going to have to kill her. They built it up, too. They actually kept... They showed a shot of uh, the swords. She was looking around, and she was taking in their weapons. And uh, so they were definitely creating that tension. And the guy who kind of turned it to be rather sweet, not Ed Sheeran, but the the, the dark-haired gentleman, he kept looking at her in that way that I was like, oh, this is going to be be something really bad, and trigger trigger warnings um, um, abound. um, (laughs) Should we bring up Lolita again? I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's, I think that, that also, by the way, just speaks to her um, heightened sense of awareness, her heightened sense of things, right? That she can look around and 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 notice those things. It's very yep. strategic. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I can't believe I've waited this long to to mention this man and more importantly his boat. For some reason, I didn't know I was into badass boats, but when <laughs> Euron's boat was coming up on King's Landing last night, I'm like, what the hell is that? 
because I mean it's just this big bohemian there was like levels of things inside it um, he's a twisted fuck though I mean I, I, I yeah I mean I'm always asking you Jeffrey to explain more about him because like we have seen so little right in everyone who is well versed in the books which I admittedly am not shamefully am not uh, d- describe him in a very very perverted way We'll do the Euron Radio Hour one day yeah. um, because it would take that long to it sort would. of explain all of this. But I'll just say that Euron is the brother of the uh, deceased Balon Greyjoy, mm-hmm. um, and we know very explicitly in the show that um, Euron murders Balon um, and uh, basically usurps his throne. Um, someone who's missing is Victarion, who is the other brother. Uh, and he's a warrior too. He's just gone from the show completely. They, yeah, because, even, and that makes sense. They have to streamline this. Certain things, yeah. uh, the, but more importantly, that Euron was um, exiled from the Iron Islands after Robert's Rebellion um, because he either raped or seduced Victarion's wife mm-hmm. becomes this big um, um, issue and sticking point. Um, and. Uh, the, the, the long and short of it is 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 Euron's like um, Captain Jack Sparrow mm-hmm. mixed with like someone on kind of ecstasy. <laughs> you know, he's sort of he's a little perverted. He's into some butt stuff. You know, like that kind of you yeah. know that kind of uh, he dresses like he's dude. in Motorhead now or yeah, something. He's yeah, like John Bravado's like he's. I'm <laughs> he not trying like to kink shame at all, but I totally. will say no, he no looks. Way. But he looks a bit like. I think I tweeted this like a um, a poor man's Lemmy with short hair. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. the same thing. Absolutely. But it's like it's like you know it's like uh, that, this is the guy who loved the vines in like 2004. Yeah. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that like, another example of that humor you'll find yeah. weekly at the deconstructed series. So anyway, the point is is that Euron is 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 in the show to my in my opinion underwhelming. I don't see how this guy can show up and somehow like yeah. um, make uh, you know ribald japes um, at the expense of Jamie Lannister mm. and 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 you know the only thing he can hang um that uh, sort of out there that, that Cersei might want to bite onto is that he can kill Tyrion. Oh. That's really what he's getting at. I can kill Tyrion. Is that because he is he's like I'm going to get something for you. That isn't that yeah, kind Tyrion, of what he said? Yeah, and it's yeah. the first thing I thought of. Okay. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Okay. I mean I would that's something I, I don't I'm not a betting man but I would but something like that. <laughs> Well, something, something what, on that. You know, Chris, I'm cu- curious what your view on Euron is in this in this context too, because he just seems like such a douche. He is. I feel like I honestly haven't given him as much thought as I probably should. Yeah, I feel like he I might be like, a big villain moving forward. I feel like he will, but in terms of what the show has done to show us, the Ironborn in general have kind of been like not even like a, a bit more of a secondary even to the phrase sometimes Absolutely. where they seem very singular and they have their own thing going on and in in kind of in the same way that Danny's mm. disconnected they've been a little disconnected. Yeah. Um you only sort of see them emerging now as because they're like yo we got boats <laughs> um and stuff like that you know you know exact so yeah we, we haven't been given a lot to chew on with him and that's i exactly. think i think that's so why we, i was asking you tell me more because right. i feel there is something big or it could go the other way yeah. because at the moment Might he sees that. danny whoosh right like yeah. you right. think like actually they may in fact just yeah. drop that 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 plot line because so in the books they give the ironborn Far more, they're more mm. fleshed out. And granted, it's interesting because it is a very sort of singular. Um, you know what? They're into like reaving. They're into like you know Raving cruelty and all that horrible <laughs> stuff, right? Um, and and that's very much present in the books. But there's obviously like a deep, long culture and pride and and other things that are that are very important. So 
you do get a more fleshed out and, and a more soap opera kind of story about these these characters. Yeah. It is very one-dimensional in the show, and that's why it's weird, because he, he could play a big part. He could, the moment he encounters Daenerys, he could be, you know, Which, dragon flame. You like, know? let's be real, she already has something going on with his knee, so he needs to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so, so, so Yara, also known as Asha in the, the books. She totally changed her name. I mean, yeah, they, well, I mean, because it was close to Osha, who mm-hmm. is also the occupational but, safety and health administration, yes. <laughs> but in this instance, is actually a wild lean woman. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, I felt like people would get confused, right. and, and, and that makes sense. Did, yeah. There was also, I'm not sure if you caught it, and of course I caught this, because I catch all things that mm-hmm. are related to anything in the queer world at all. There was a literal two second, maybe less than that, like snippet of what's to come that is Yara and uh, Alaria San. Lock and like, lips. Yeah. Going to kiss. And Lock, I was like, <gasps> Lock and yeah. lips. Awesome. I'm here for that too. Um, and I feel very strongly that. Um, the one thing that Westeros and Planetos in general needs is like more pure love. Yeah. Um, frankly, and you just don't get a lot of that, right? And and in many well, ways, will that be pure love? We have yet to see. I, I mean, pure in its own way. I mean, I don't mean like pure in some sort of like corny fairy tale as much as just like, oh, we're oh, into no, each I'm other. Oh no, I'm thinking of it like they're use, like they use each other more than it would be something that it's legitimate feeling. I mean, I'm here to watch two ladies make out anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel very... Well, Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. There's a limited amount of this happening in the show. And Asha in the books is, you know, as as as, as, as you can sort of define uh, sexual orientation, is, is is straight. And she, in fact, does have such... There's Tris Botley, who we, we never meet. We don't mm-hmm. think we even meet a Botley, period. Um, and they have some very uh, uh, sexy rendezvous. Um, but which also shows a level of sort of uh, desire. She she fantasizes a lot about a simpler time mm-hmm. when they went to. I want to say they were they weren't even reaving. I think that this was during a time of peace, and they go to um, uh, the arbor. I think, and they eat these peaches, and there's all these like really like like uh-huh. lovely peaches. Uh, factor great in the in this universe. I mean, you have Renly's peaches, you have this peach, but anyway, it's a very kind of just like it's like oh really? All she wants to do is like be loved. Yeah, and. Um, I mean, she also wants to like like murder her enemies. Which is cool too, <laughs> but, but she yeah. wants love, it's, which is well, <laughs> it's important to have of like you know variety. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. I've never know? thought about that. The lack of kind of love. I mean, I'm thinking of Rob. I assume you know Rob kind of threw it all away for a lot of way for love. Should have listened to I guess love does you know it doesn't it doesn't get you far in, can in we, the Game of Thrones. <laughs> well listen, can we give a nod to um, Sansa, right, for um, for answering the fans and saying, yeah, Ned acted stupidly. Yes, yeah. Rob yeah. acted stupidly. Yeah, she, um, yes. acts yeah. stupidly and that very much I think is about her well, mastery of real politics, right? Yeah. She she gets it and she understands it. She may not end up on the winning side of it. I hope she does, but like there's a there's a level of recognition. Absolutely. There. Yeah. Um, I think one more thing, and we basically have last night covered. I mean, I think the one person we haven't spoken on that had a big role was the Hound, um, oh, yeah. which I just I can't get enough of his humor for some reason. Just like <laughs> it's his like snarky sarcasm, his line disgruntled. Like, just my luck that I get stuck with a bunch of, with a band of fools that like follow fire. Yes, no, exactly. So terrifying Absolutely, and burn. and but there is. Um, I just I'm I'm so curious about what happens with that crew because it almost seemed like when he did look into that fire and they were talking about how Barrett keeps being brought back and why, um, it just seemed all of a sudden to me that there might be a higher purpose for this crew, and I don't know if that's the case or not, but I just don't know where that's going to fit in. But I just felt like last night there was some meaning in uh, 
there could be something. There are another ones that have kind of gotten looked over in the show. What Thoros the, and Beric? Man, there's a great yeah, scene. The brother, if you look at brother, like yeah. one of the um, the um, trailers where his he holds his sword and it lights up in a flame that you know. So. Right. I mean, like that whole plot in general, I feel oh, yeah. has completely been. Uh, it's again, it's another one that was like totally overlooked, and you get him once in a while, and you're like, oh yeah, you're yeah. still like people in the show that I forgot about. Totally. Um, so it will be interesting to see kind of where they match up with everyone else because up until right now, if you're watching them, you're like, what are you like? Just why, where are you like going? Loose what are you vagabonds doing? in the scheme of things. Well, it's interesting, right? Because in fact, you know what we're talking about is sort of um, uh, a sort of a, theoro- the- a theological uh, perspective that has actually been given some some, some credence in in the story, which mm-hmm. is that there's something to this cult of Relor. Yeah. There's something to the Lord of Light, um, but there's also something to uh, the Faceless Men, and and they're sort of either magic or you know in the books Melisandre talks a lot about a glamour, the notion that um, well in the same way that modern magic is merely trickery, right? The way in which um, a magician is able to sort of like do a sleight of hand trick that he's mm-hmm. practiced that has a natural explanation, but it seems magical. It seems mm-hmm. incredible. And clearly there's some like real supernatural stuff going yeah. on in this show um, and in that universe. So there's something to that. And in fact, I think it has a lot to do with um, uh, the, 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 the battle that's to come, right? Yeah. In fact, it's very much fire and ice. I mean, and, you know, and it's interesting, right? Because Jon Snow... It, you keep going back to the fact that you know if Lyanna and Rhaegar, if yeah. Ice and Fire made a baby, there he is. You are you're you know? you're kind of pushing me exactly where I want to go, and in just that, uh, you know, if he is, and he is, that's been confirmed. Right. What special power comes with that? I mean, not just politically, but is is like yeah, I think I'm reading uh, a lot of different you know people's opinions on this, but like, is there a special power that he might possess? Because you know. Because of his bloodline? I wonder if it'll play into him having a better capacity to deal with winter than a true Targaryen mm-hmm. would because they have this fire in their blood mm. that if winter comes, not that they can't cope, but they need their dragons, whereas he has some cold in him, right? He has a northern yeah. half. And I wonder if that'll give him a, a certain kind of strength to deal with the wind with the winter yeah. that's coming that we haven't quite seen necessarily. I mean, if you think about it, Danny's never been exposed to anything cold really. Yeah. Uh, she's she's been on a desert yeah. <laughs> for most of the show yeah. and she's still in a very warm climate and she hasn't experienced that winter and she hasn't experienced that cold. He was up at the wall. He knows what's coming. He has that insight and I you know, I wonder if part of that comes with there's a strength to knowing because he has the exposure but also in having that in him she experienced winter once and it was in the um, in the House of the Undying when she walks into uh, and this is in the show it's also in the book where she Mm -hmm. walks into the throne room and it's snowing and it's empty and it's destroyed um, which is a powerful foreshadowing. And granted, some of those things come true, some of those things don't come true. And it's very interesting how that happens. But you're right, it's not like a like an actual experience as much of a, a sort of um, a spiritual experience yeah. um, in, in, in affecting that. As it relates to John, though, I mean, 
I think more of it in the context of a responsibility than a power. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how he might uh, assert the power, right? That's, I mean, whether he's gonna have like a flaming sword, whether he's gonna have some sort of like like in you know, a magical tendency. I mean, granted, he was uh, he he did rise from the dead, which is um, very interesting, and uh, and obviously as a recovering Catholic, um, you know, certainly evocative <laughs> um, image for me. But I'll I, say I use that term for myself. Yeah, right. But I'll I'll just I'll just say that I think with Are John, we could we could do another hour of just. That, Absolutely, right? I'll, do, I'll do. I'll do. Yeah. I'll dedicate a whole show to it. <laughs> so I know some other people that can join. It's a whole. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. So um, Paul, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> so in fact, you know, if you have, um, but that's what I'm saying. So with, with John, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could express itself in a lot of different ways. Um, it might be a way in which he's able to galvanize uh, humanity. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the last hero, the prince that was promised, uh, the chosen one. All of these different monikers that are given um, um, to he who saved the dawn. Um, that is something that that John can be. They can also twist that around. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. And listen, I just, I just, I feel strongly that that, that John and Danny are going to end up together. That's yeah. just kind of like, and 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 I'm ready to hear people disagree with that because I'm not so much wedded to that. But it just seems like. Do you mean together in a partnership capacity? Yes. Or in a, okay. I mean like I mean like there romantic. There are people talking about I know, it. Sex, I know. Yeah, sexy I mean, time it explosion. Is, it is in yeah. their lineage so I mean they're not even brother and sister which yeah. is which is actually totally culturally appropriate yeah. right. um in, um, in this world, in, the, in that world Absolutely. with Targaryen, so you know, I mean, it's yeah. It, it, yeah, it's appropriate I, for the world of the Lannisters too. So you know, that's true. Well, well, I mean, if 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 Jaime and uh, Cersei are in fact Lannisters as yeah. opposed to also Targaryens, but that's a, another story. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Really? So you? Would, I see. I thought I say Tyrion more than those two. I think they're pure. They're more Lannister. I think that I think that y- you're you're correct in saying that if any of them is going to be a Targaryen, although Cersei's yeah, commitment to wildfire, I mean, listen, uh, the Mad King yeah. wanted to blow up the city in wildfire. He never did it because Jaime Lannister killed him and yep. saved the city. Stopped him from doing stopped it. Stopped him from doing and it. The woman he loves did it. Did it. So let's just let's just yeah. kind of put that let's just put that there and let's just kind of look at it and think. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. She is quite mad. I she is Lady Macbeth. Like I will scream about this forever, yeah. and especially now that the kids are dead. Whew, forget yeah. it. I've I when I remember when the first the show first started, and I read the first four books between that. So it's been a while, but um, I I remember just thinking I'm going to write something one day comparing this woman to Lady Macbeth, yeah. changing it up because she has kids and then they die. Yeah. <laughs> but there is this sort of mad with power complex that you see and it sort of start it, you you see it a lot with Lady Macbeth and I just keep going back to literary mm-hmm. references sorry no, no that's <laughs> fine but what's her motivation because sense. I'm so interested in her motivation like I mean I mean like it's it, it, she's literally ruling over like a half destroyed city yeah. like like she's ruling on a, th- a, 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 a what's the a throne of bones like yeah. it's like like right. dead on people a ruin. Yeah, yeah ruins so it's like a house of cards. Even. A house of cards. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Another one who I would compare to a lady. Oh Beth. yes. Another one. I think I've heard you say that before. I think we just got yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> another one. And another. No, but really, Claire Underwood and and Cersei Lannister, man, yeah. they are our modern day Lady Macbeths. Mm-hmm. They have this drive and this, but and you and you see it now. I mean, at the end, Lady Macbeth goes mad and to and she's she can't sleep and she's she just keeps seeing this spot. And there's so much going on there, and 
And it was all because she wanted she wanted power and she desired more power and she eventually went mad with all the things she had done. And you start to see that more and more. The more she that Cersei's doing, yeah. the crazier she's getting. And the more she's getting to that like out damn spot I mean, moment even Jamie where was, eventually Jamie was trying to talk her off a ledge last night. That was yeah. really that, I thought that was one of the most fascinating uh, parts of the episode was I, when he was discussing with her. He's, and she's, remember, she's like, are you, are, are you afraid of me? And yeah. like, he, he didn't say yes or no. He, he said, should I? He, he said, should I? He said, yeah. should I? Which is a great, it's a great, it's a great counter question in some ways because in fact, I mean, what he's seeking is to understand this person. Exactly. He thought, yeah, what's, what are your motivations? Like you just said, what are your motivations? Well, also like they were, they were joined. I mean, they very much were like of the same mind, yeah. the same level of recklessness, the same goals, the same desire for each other. Uh, go on. Yeah. I would. Yeah. My thing with the two of them is the way I've always seen it, and the way I've I've kind of read into it is that Jamie truly does love Cersei. I believe Cersei so as well. wants to be Jamie. Mm. Cersei is angry that she is not was not born a man that mm. she could not be the brother and the king and all of that. And I think that their relationship, not that she doesn't love him because she does in her own weird way, but she more than anything wants that power. And he had that power Mm -hmm. and being with him made her feel more closer to that and and more in tune with what she truly wanted. Whereas he actually does love Mm, her. I don't think that she loves him the way she loves. He loves her. It's interesting because Martin in fact gives a sort of like a pop psychology version of penis envy. There and in oh, fact, really? yeah. yeah, and in fact, and in, and in fact, I mean, and, and Cersei in the book is ruminating about how if she was a man, she could do this and do that. Which also, right. by the way, I, I would speak to the fact that that a better, obviously, idea for it would be that she lives in a patriarchy mm-hmm. in which she is, um, even as a very powerful woman, is marginalized yeah. um, and 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 relegated. Um, but what a tremendous moment of phallic assertion when she literally kills. All of her enemies in one fell swoop. I mean, yeah. it would make Vito Corleone proud. Yeah. Um, but the, and, and it's interesting, right? Because in fact, I wrote in one of my de- deconstructions from last season, and I said this sort of tongue in cheek, but I sort of meant it, which is that like, I don't know, maybe Cersei will give like a couple months of competent administration. I mean, she's going down. I think that's just the the, the fate. But but for a woman who has been fundamentally relegated, marginalized, perhaps even oppressed, we can use these these, these terms yeah. with her. Um, she and shamed walked through the city naked, and la- that never happened to Lancel. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who's also experiencing sexism in a systematic way and also in an interpersonal way. And so, part of me, uh, to the extent that this is possible, maybe this is the social worker in me, feel for her, you know? And it would be something that I would certainly try to normalize for her if she was, say, a, a client of mine, yeah. some, someone who I was working with, is, is, is to sort of normalize those feelings of, um, of inferiority given yeah. the fact that she's experiencing that. Um, on a structural and in a, a very personal way. It's such a telling moment in that um, sort of her giving away her power. It, it, there, I remember um, there, there was a comparison made because Kat was very attached to her hair and her femininity. And Cersei, when they cut off her hair, she's like, cut it off. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And it's such a like... It, it's such a great moment that, and you, I mean, her hair does get cut in the show, but she doesn't have that moment. She's like, take it all off. I don't mm. care because it's her. She's not as attached to her femininity mm. as some of the other women in the show we've seen. And I think, again, that says a lot about the penis envy and mm-hmm. the, and the living and, you know, she's really lived through this her whole life, you know, given who her father was, given who her brother was, given yeah. who her husband was, yeah. and mo- almost more than anyone, she's really been, you know, at at 
the you know end of a patriarchy that has really brought her down, and oh. and that's why I think she is so fast. I love Cersei. I she's fascinated. And, and by I think Cersei I think what, and just hearing both you the, the you know talk about her, I've been in the mindset that she really is one of the most fascinating minds uh, uh, to examine during this whole thing. Mm-hmm. She's her her story arc has been incredible. It's been it's been really kind of. You know, uh, it, 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 tough to watch at times. Exciting to watch. I mean, I I did get off when she when she dropped that bomb and she had that sip and she had that smile. It was it was like, let's go ahead. Girl. It was tremendously satisfying in some ways because I think it's also I think that I mean I think the state of the world that we're into and and we're fearful of encroachments on our freedoms by religious um, um, literalists. Mm-hmm. Um, Mounty banks of the worst kind. Yep. Um, we speak a lot about in the in the column about um, you know the high sparrow um, being um, consistent, which is different because yeah. usually they were very much like pious in a certain way, but then also you know like having their sundry yeah, exactly. uh, affairs and so forth. And yeah, you know he's consistent Catholic, with that. But Catholic Church, that's once right. again. <laughs> but um, but 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 you know um, um, misogynistic and 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 completely. Um, unfair uh, into torture into all kinds of awful things and I think that's something that's you know and again it goes back to I think Martin's uh, conscience yeah. um, which is very much about uh, uh, critical of, of, of war in the military industrial complex yeah. critical of class structure and um, an unearned privilege right yeah. I mean think about that hereditary notion it's it's completely unearned um and and yeah, the nepotism involved in the whole thing and by the way if you're interested in cersei and and some of the deeper parts of her yeah. of her experience i mean the books have her uh, pov chapters are uh fascinating interesting yeah. maddening you're like why are you making these decisions <laughs> her opinions about people are so cutting i mean she's she's so clever there's one character who i wish would exist in the show and his name is orain waters um he's uh, the bastard of driftmark so mm-hmm. there were other valerian like families besides the targaryens mm-hmm. um including the valerians um who were sort of a kind of a sort of a bastard offshoot and um and he was and, and they're they in Driftmark, which is one of the islands near Dragonstone. Okay. He looks like Rhaegar a little bit. He's uh, like a bizarro Rhaegar. Uh, and she makes him the master of ships. And, and I think he ends up becoming a pirate, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, and something that I don't know if it's a loose end will ever be tied up. Totally. But her opinion about him and just this spends like a, a good paragraph or two just describing Orin Waters. And well, I guess he would be kind of, you know, Rhaegar was so beautiful and he kind of lacks that. And maybe his eyes are more blue than purple, but <laughs> whatever. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, you know, and then, you know, she has some um, pretty exciting affairs with different people yeah um which is also cool i'm that's this is a no, no, the moral of the story is cersei lannister is fascinating Absolutely. and everyone should appreciate Absolutely. i was just reading yeah, yeah so <laughs> everyone should appreciate her crazy cersei hate is ridiculous it's yeah. she's, she's she is fascinating there's times where like you i mean if you think of everything she's been through i mean it's it's kind of fun to watch her i have a question uh, very yeah, I know, I, I, and i know that our time is is is, is running short but you know, my, my, my curiosity, right, is whether or not a Daenerys administration mm. um, would be um, good for women in Westeros. Well, we saw her struggle a little bit with an administration just last season. Yeah, she's. But that is that's that is a good question. Yeah, I mean, who do you want to win? I mean, what's 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 the uh, who says the Night King? <laughs> I like you. I have the most unpopular opinion in that I'm not the biggest Danny fan. Yeah. I I don't know what it is. I don't 
I don't find her terribly interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel part of her charm is that she has dragons, and yeah. that's about it. Um, and base. she's Amelia Clark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, been the base of her power, though. The base really of her has power has come down to not who's really within her, but right. oh, and her ability to be unburnt. Let's be right. honest, yeah. right? I mean, twice she would be dead if like she didn't have if this she, magical if power, she, right? <laughs> if she couldn't just like not catch flame. Yeah. Um, so while I recognize that the dragons and everything that she embodies is going to become incredibly important, especially now we got that, what, two second after the title sequence mm-hmm. of White Walker's Stormin yeah. um, <laughs> with a few dra- with a few giants, excuse me. Um, it, obviously, I recognize her, her importance in that. I recognize... I, it'll be interesting to see her now as she actually begins... To, to go to, to work. Int- to play the game. To She's go to work. Yeah, totally. Because up until now, while, granted, she has taken over, you know, she had Slaves Bay and she had, she had all these moments where she's gaining power it's not the same cunning exactly as, as going across the game and playing the game and playing it yeah I know a lot of people who are beginning level. to get a little frustrated like get her across the city but that's why they need Tyrion that's why she needs Tyrion I mean yeah. Tyrion is going yes. to be the whole and it seems like she knows that Oh, 100%. Which is, which is, which is, and she's ready. I mean, and think about all the sacrifices she's made. Sacrifices. I mean, I'm like, you know, Bro, it, it's it's saying this with a grain of salt, right? <laughs> yeah, but, of you know, like, I mean, Dario, especially Dario 2.0, man, <laughs> sexy. Like, like, just attractive. <laughs> that scrub. That scrub. Dario 2.0. Although he, I mean, he, the, he's, it, it looks like his, his costume is so heavy, I like worry about him. Um, it's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. How do you like, walk with yeah. that thing? Also, you're in the pyramid. No one's going to attack you. Yeah. Um, but that, and then, you know, the notion is, I, I think that actually the scene at Dragonstone, which, which it's, it's interesting, we've gone a little first full circle here though, right? She ends up in uh, the, the, the room with the, with the large painted uh, map, yeah. table map. The war room. The yes. war room, yeah. Cool, some cool maps in this one. Uh, like at the floor map, the table map. Did you notice there were some new locations added to the titles? Also, oh, maps? Oh, I usually pay attention to that. I didn't pay attention, and I just happened to look up at the at the end, and I what think was they that? Had, it was like Old Town? Yeah, Old Town. Yeah, because that's where Sam is. Oh, yeah. Sam's in the Citadel, which is, yeah, yeah with, you know, that's like the place where I guess it's the um, chamber pot capital of the yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. I literally <laughs> caught it, like, as it was going away. I was like, that was new. Yeah. That was also a wasted four minutes of just, like, slopping different things yeah. into Yeah, I know pots. some people found it too. Oh, yeah. my I God. Like, I want a remix of that <laughs> so badly. Yeah. Someone needs to do it's gonna some the internet remix of, like, the internet dumb scrub. Always comes Book. Yeah, but let's think about this. So Danny marches through the whole thing. She is, has no time for sentimentality. Yeah. She's like, yes, I'm here. This is symbolically important. This is emotionally important for me, but you know what? Let's get to work. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I wonder how much of this... It, like, does she even know why she's doing this? Thing? Like, is this truly what she wants? Or it's like, I've come this far, I guess I have to keep going. I wonder that sometimes because <laughs> she, it was very much like something that was driven I into like, her by it. her brother. Yeah. You know, this is ours. It belongs to us. Da, 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 da. But I feel like so we many haven't people gotten that held her forward and, and empowered her. Right. Like, yeah, and so many people it. have been all like, you're the one. We yeah. got to support you. And people have flocked to her in many ways. And they've come across some to weird find parallels her. of Trump moving through the <laughs> This is a fallacy of like hereditary monarchy, right? This is very much the argument for Republican forms of government yeah. and democracy, right? Which is that um, to merely have a duty, which is that it is my um, inherited right and duty to take control of this Absolutely. polity is something that obviously we've dispensed, we dispensed with and, uh, and are critical of. And yet we still, you know, read books and, and to the extent that there are any Anglophiles here, you know, we look at the, 
the, the, the, the British monarchy, which is one of the few that still mm-hmm. remains in any, in any substantive capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, you know, she's driven by a duty, but what George R. R. Martin consistently tells us is that people driven by duty and right don't always, um, uh, don't always act, yeah. Nor 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 do they act justly. Yeah. Nor do they rule justly. And so, for every Ned Stark who seems like harsh, because I'm against capital punishment, and yet at the same time <laughs> fairly judicious, right in his in his administration yeah. um, of the North, he did a, a decent job. Um, there's a there's a Ramsay, there's a Cersei. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are there's there there's there's ex, there's there's excesses that are um, not helpful to the people. Yeah. Uh, I hate to, I mean, as we close out, I hate to go to such a surface question, but I'm going to just because um, any predictions, both of you guys, on who we are going to lose this season, not the next season, this season. We will lose. And you can't, what, you can't say Davos because I can't handle it. No. Who are we going to lose? We will lose a Lannister. A Lannister will go this year. A Lannister will yep. go this year. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, 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 else? I, I also mean, we're, don't bet, but I would put some money on that to say a Lannister will go. Yeah. Yeah. One of the blonde ones. Yeah, do uh, if you had to put some money down, this is because it's definitely not just the Lannister. We're, we're gonna, <laughs> our hearts gonna be ripped out a bunch of times. Is what they do. It's it's so it's so weird because we're down to like like a handful of characters that we've really grown to love now, yeah. and we really like. And it'll it, it'll be one of those moments where it when it happens, we're we'll like, ah! yeah. unless it's you know characters you hate, which yeah. there still are a handful. Of course, I I. Uh, this is not an educated guess based on like some like you know like really inside knowledge of like the books or anything mm-hmm. like this. This is kind of like um, a satisfaction, uh, the potential satisfaction uh, mixed with kind of like ooh, it would be interesting if this happened. I, I I think we might lose Littlefinger. Okay, yeah. Would I, I be mad? No. No. <laughs> why, why would we? Why would we be mad? But His smug little face wouldn't be on it anymore. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to say one other thing too, right? Which is that Davos, in many ways, right, represents um, to the best to, to, to the best that they can develop a, a character who has a true moral compass, Absolutely. somebody who is, mm-hmm. and and I think we're actually supposed to, as readers, kind of like see things through his lens, yeah, because he's not. Um, He's definitely dutiful, that's for sure. But he Very also dutiful. So it, it could be his only fault, if you ask me. Sure, but 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 also, ugh, I'll say it again in the books. Please, he he, he um is just it's it's just a little bit more um human. There's more humility. There's more thoughtfulness, and there's and there's a real deep desire um to to do good. To do good. And so I think you that you know you another, don't get a lot of that. No, you don't get a lot. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. And usually, if you get any inch of that, they die. Yeah, so. yeah, they take their lives right away. Yeah. Uh, no, one more surface question: Who makes it through, and not this season, the entire the entire way? Who's making it through? Besides, yeah. besides Davos. Besides, <laughs> besides, besides Davos, besides Davos um, of course. I'm the say Onion this, Knight. The the remaining Star Kids. Remaining Star Kids. Do you, oh, well, you don't see kids. Wow. I got three. Three, go ahead. I got Podrick Payne. Okay. Podrick. <laughs> Podrick. Uh, Brian, also known as Brienne yeah. of Tarth. Yeah. 
And um, and uh, well, uh, okay, um, four Ed Sheeran? four because because torment, yeah, torment, and and his son Ed Sheeran. Um, but then um, I was going to say also Dolores Ed Tollett, who is now the Lord Commander of the uh, Night's Watch. Oh wow, um, who is oh yeah, yes. way funnier in you the mentioned books. that to me before that he's hilarious Wait, in the books. Can I put a fan theory out? Can yeah. Brienne yeah, yeah. just adopt? Leanna Mormont and make her an awesome warrior because Absolutely. when Leanna spoke and she's like, I'm a whole mile sort of just like that with, you know, down. like a snap and everything. Uh, look, they just shot over to her and she was just like, it, like you saw her heart like she swell and she was like fan growing she was real really hard. Proud. Yeah. Was, yeah, it's one of those things where I think that, you know, well. there is an influence on what people like now, uh, or like what we're responding to. We got a good Tormund, uh, Brienne scene. We got Lady Marmont. They know. They know. Just one thing. Tormund is also much more hilarious. That's what you were telling me he as well. He says har <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. He talks about how he, like, uh, makes love to bears. <laughs> um, and, you know, tenderly. He's awesome Which anyways. Is, imagine, I was going to say, he that. already is the comedic oh. relief. Can you imagine? if he was like was legitimately say, saying yeah. and now he talks lines. about me member me member <laughs> um, it's it's real it's real and it's good uh, love that Game of Thrones talk uh, I would be remiss if while we have you in here Jeffrey and I totally switching gears just before we close out uh, the organization organization you work for just is something I've you know because I've known your co-worker forever um, or former co-worker now but uh, like, getting former out former boss former boss exactly yeah. he was one of my best friends in my entire life but um, getting out staying out is uh, is just such a remarkable uh, is a not-for-profit it's just it's it's. can you just tell the listeners who have stuck with us to, and I hate I hate to even put it at the end we could do a whole one on this but uh I just need to bring it up. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. The views are expressed are that of my own, but um, now I'm getting into work mode, so uh, you can take everything here as a representation of Get Out and Stay Out. Got it. Get Out and Stay Out Goso is a New York-based nonprofit. We serve 16 to 24-year-old young men who've been involved in the criminal justice system. We assist them with with the three E's, employment, education, and emotional Mm -hmm. well-being. We help them avoid re-involvement in the criminal justice system and... Uh, move towards financial independence. Uh, we are a staff of social workers and social service uh, workers who care passionately about our young men, um, not just in terms of helping them uh, individually and as a group, but also in criminal justice reform. We work in the jails in Rikers Island. We correspond with clients upstate. And uh, most importantly, in terms of, 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 our, of our mission, we help these young men succeed uh, in uh, in achieving their personal and professional goals, um, it's it's one of my my deepest passions. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the hardest working young men in New York City, mm-hmm. and uh, one other thing I'll plug is that we have an employment development program called GoSo Works, where we can subsidize employment in businesses throughout the five boroughs for up to two hundred and forty hours. After which, we ask our businesses to hire our guys. Uh, they work in all industries from food to construction to maintenance yeah. to all kinds of great stuff. So that is something uh, people who would be listening can, I mean, just if you have businesses that could use help like this, or I'm just trying to think of how people yeah. who hear about this, I mean, because I, I love spreading the word about GOSO. There's a few ways you can help. One, you can go to gosonyc.org. You can check out what we do. Mm-hmm. You can donate. We're always happy to get money. You can also volunteer your time if you want to assist some of our young men. And yes, if you have a oh, business... Cool. 
with entry level and sometimes not even entry level yeah. jobs because our guys have education and certifications mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah, they, uh, can, they can skip that step. Absolutely. Yeah, get 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 at me. Um, you know, you can find me at ggolia mm-hmm. at gosonyc dot org. You can also find me on Twitter at gmgolia, uh, gmgolia. And uh, yeah, get at me. And even if you just want to send a kind word or um, or what have you, uh, we always love the support. Fewer than 10% of GOSO participants return to jail as compared to a national average of 67% for their age group. You guys are doing something right. It's amazing. Uh, and what else is amazing is you guys. I love your articles, Chrissy, that you wrote for us. I hope there's <laughs> more, uh, especially for the Stark women. You seem to have have a knack and in, in a connection with them. Um, thank you for, for that aspect. You as well, Jeffrey. I love your articles. I appreciate you uh, jumping on as our Thrones guru. You're crushing it. I am so excited for this year, and hopefully you'll do it ne- uh, for the next season. But uh, I love what you guys do, and thank you for joining us Thanks, here today. Thank you for having Definitely. us. Definitely. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you for everyone listening. Weekly, we'll have them up by Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, but we'll have our uh, deconstructions up about Game of Thrones so um, enjoy the rest of the season and thanks again and who are you the proud lord said that I must bow so low only a cat of a different coat that's all the truth I know and a coat of gold or a coat Lion still has claws, and mine are long and sharp, my lord, as long and sharp as yours. And so he spoke, and so he spoke, that lord of